Well, welcome to the abbreviated audio version of our Good Friday service. If you've downloaded the bulletin to follow along with, there'll be opportunities for you to pause the recording to stop and sing or read the lyrics to the hymns that we would normally be singing together at this service. I encourage you to do that as you're able. Uh, During this time, we'll be hearing the passion narrative from John's Gospel. We'll confess our sin together. We'll have a Good Friday meditation, and we'll conclude with the Lord's Prayer. It's going to feel a little different during this service, but if you remember, our Good Friday service is always a little different and a little odd, uh, even in normal circumstances. There's no color or banners in the sanctuary. We don't celebrate communion together. It's a somber service that ends rather abruptly, abruptly, and we leave in quiet contemplation. Our Good Friday service isn't meant to be sad or discouraging, but the somber remembering of Jesus' suffering and death for us should drive us to profound wonder and to deep gratitude. We wait this Good Friday and tomorrow on Holy Saturday with longing and great anticipation of getting to celebrate Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning. So please take a few moments and quiet your hearts wherever you are as we prepare to meet with our crucified Savior. Our call to worship is from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1, 4, and 5. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Please turn with me to John chapter 18, verses 1 to 18. This is the first of our four passion narratives that we'll read together. This is the word of our Lord. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he. Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple 
who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the ser servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Please look with me at the second passion narrative from John eighteen nineteen to 40. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. As we come to our time of confession, we come as those who have rejected Jesus, who constantly choose Barabbas over Jesus. We constantly choose that which is not good, that which is not worthy, that which does not love us, that which is an imposter, that is not in control, that which fails us and doesn't satisfy us time and again over Jesus. 
Let's go before our God together, confessing our sin and our need of a Savior to come and to rescue us, knowing that when we turn towards the crucified and risen Jesus in faith and in repentance, he welcomes us, he forgives us, and he makes us his brothers and sisters. Please pray with me. Merciful God, we meet each other today at the foot of the cross as inhabitants of one world. We wait with each other as those who inflict wounds on one another. Be merciful to us. As those who deny justice to others, be merciful to us. As those who trust in power, be merciful to us. As those who are greedy, be merciful to us. As those who put others on trial, be merciful to us. As those who refuse to receive, be merciful to us. As those who are afraid of the world's torment, be merciful to us. Please hear and respond with me with the words of encouragement from Matthew, John, and St. Paul's letter to Ephesus. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him should be saved. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Hosanna. Amen. The whole purpose in Jesus coming to earth was to rescue us through his death on our behalf. So it's appropriate that we cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save us, we, that we cry it out to him, the only one that can actually save us and rescue us from our sin and restore us to a relationship with the God who made us and with the God who loves us. So let's continue looking at the passion narrative at how Jesus suffers and fulfills the scriptures that we might be brought into his kingdom. Please read with me from our third passion narrative in John chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, 
If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the, stove pa- at the, as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Please turn with me for our final passion narrative reading from John chapter 19, continuing in verse 16 through verse 42. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. 
Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body. The two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Having just read the Passion narrative from John's Gospel, I want us to consider one phrase that Jesus utters from the cross before he gives up his spirit and dies. We're going to think about the implications of Jesus saying, it is finished from the cross during this time. So please pray with me as we look at the cross and our crucified Savior together. Please pray with me. Our holy, loving, just, and gracious Father, please meet with us during this time. As we gaze at your Son's suffering, let us not be led to despair but to worship, to renewed prayer and dedication, and to awe and thanksgiving over seeing our sin and our need and how Jesus meets us in our suffering, how we defeat sin and death on the cross. For those who do not believe, grab hold of their hearts as you did the Roman centurion so that we all might cry out in faith, Surely this is the Son of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of my most favorite things in the world right now is seeing my daughter Sawyer run up to me, smiling ear to ear, coming to me to give a hug, screaming the words, I did it, I did it, I go on the potty. What Sawyer means is she took off her diaper, she climbed onto the toilet, and she sat there for a while. But she's so excited and proud of herself, and so we celebrate with her. We clap and we cheer. She's making progress, but the reality is is she's not finished being potty trained. We still have a long way to go with her. So even though she sat on the potty, and maybe she went, she's not finished being potty trained. We can all relate to that. There actually are some things that we do finish, or we get accomplished, and we're excited, but there's always that next thing that comes up. We don't get to rejoice or be satisfied for very long, And then for many of us, there are some things that we just want to be finished with. We just want to be done with them. We all long for certain things to be finished, to be completed, to be over and done with. We're all experiencing that right now with the coronavirus and with our being quarantined. We're feeling this angst and this longing for this to be finished so we can see and be with each other, so we can go back to work, so we can eat in a restaurant or see a movie or play in the park or gather for worship, gather for fellowship and friendship. We want this season of our lives to be finished. But it's not just the quarantine life that we long to be finished with. We all have other things that we long to be finished as well. For some of us, it's an illness. For some of us, it has to do with school or work. For some of us, it's a secret struggle or a relationship issue, or even potty training. For the next few minutes, we're going to look at Jesus' sixth word from the cross. It is finished. It's just one word in the Greek, 
but it's translated finished, completed, accomplished, paid in full, made perfect. Here on the cross, it really means it has been and will forever remain finished. Jesus says it is finished, and he bows his head, and he gives up his spirit in death. So we have to ask, what is it that is finished? So first, the Old Testament prophecies are finished. All the prophecies about this one who would come and save his people are finished. This one born of a woman to a virgin from the seed of Abraham, from the line of David. This one named Emmanuel, God with us. This one who would open the eyes of the blind, who would open the ears of the deaf, who would make the lame dance and the dumb sing. This one who would be despised, rejected, cursed on a tree, who would be betrayed, pierced, numbered with the transgressors, whose clothes would be gambled over, who would die for his people has come. And on the cross, Jesus reviews the entire scope of the Old Testament prophecies concerning him, and he sees that they've been totally realized, and he cries out, it is finished. Well, what else is finished? The law's requirements are finished and fulfilled. We couldn't keep the law on our own, but Jesus is the only man who ever kept the holy, just, and good commands of our God. Not only did he keep and fulfill the whole law in his life and in his death, but he suffered the penalty and he endured its curse for breaking it. So even though we had broken it and we deserve death, Jesus stands in our place and receives the just sentence that we deserve. That's why Paul says in Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. And then in Romans 6, For you are not under the law, but under grace. The demands of justice in the law must be met. The requirements of God's holiness must be satisfied. The debt must be paid. And on the cross, the law is fulfilled completely, once for all by Jesus, for us. It is finished. What else is finished? Jesus' suffering is finished. On the cross, his suffering, his humiliation, his physical, mental, and his spiritual anguish is, is finished. The man of sorrows who is afflicted, whose hour had finally come, has been lifted up, and he's drunk the cup of God's wrath to the dregs on the cross. He's had the darkness descend upon him and has had his own father turn his face away from him. But now the suffering has ended. That cup of wrath that he wanted to shrink away from in the Garden of Gethsemane has been completely drained. God's wrath has been endured completely. The penalty for sins has been paid, and Jesus cries out, it is finished. What else is finished? The goal of the incarnation is complete. The reason Jesus gave up heaven, the reason Jesus gave up perfect union with the Trinity, the reason Jesus came to earth as a baby and as a servant, the reason he's hanging on the cross, it's finished. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost by giving his life as a ransom for many. That was always the plan. And it's finished here. The work the Father has given him to do, his Father's will, it's his will as well, and it's completed here on the cross. Jesus wasn't coerced. This isn't cosmic child abuse. 
Jesus goes willingly to suffer and to die and to endure the cross because of the joy set before him, Hebrews tells us. Because of his love for and his commitment to being with you, to having you forever. The plan of God from the beginning of time, hinted at in Genesis 3, the giving up of his life as a ransom for many has been fully carried out. And Jesus says, it is finished. What, what else is finished? Satan's power, death, and evil are finished. Hebrews 2 says, through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Death, evil, and the devil are a defeated enemy now. They have no claim on us anymore. We are no longer Satan's lawful captives. We've been freed. The chains have been taken off. We have a new master and a new king. Death, evil, and Satan, though still around and still causing great sadness and pain, no longer get to win. Death and evil no longer have the last laugh. They've been defeated on the cross and should be treated as a vanquished enemy as Jesus gives up his life and says, it is finished. What else is finished? Our sin is finished. Here on the cross, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sins of us all. He who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross, and so now, if all of our sin is laid on him, that means sin is no longer on us. Yes, we still have sin in us because our sin natures remain until we die and go to be with Jesus or until Jesus returns. But there is no more sin on us. Because of Jesus' finished work here on Good Friday, the curtain has been torn and our sin no longer keeps us away from God and no longer keeps God away from us. The guilt, the shame... The condemnation, the penalty for sin is no longer ours, but has been given completely to Jesus on the cross. And since they've been transferred to him fully, they are no longer upon us who rest in him for faith and forgiveness. In the darkness, in Jesus' forsakenness, he has fully made an end to our sin. A.W. Pink says it this way, The cross of Christ, then, is the grave of our sins. Jesus says, it is finished. So on this Good Friday, do you believe this? Do you believe that it is finished? That Jesus has fully paid for your sin? That he has done all he came to accomplish? That he has set out to do everything and finish all that he has set out to accomplish? Or do you try to add something to his finished work? To try to earn? To try to make sure that God might love you? that he might smile on you, that he might forgive you? Do you believe that God is satisfied with Jesus' finished work on the cross for you, that you had nothing to his work? This is the hardest thing for us to believe and to rest in. But wouldn't it be nice to stop trying to make the good outweigh the bad in our lives, to stop trying to get God to tolerate you, let alone love you, to stop trying to measure up to something that you will never be able to measure up to. Jesus' words, it is finished, free you to live as a child who already has all the favor, all the smiles, all the security, all the acceptance, all the forgiveness, all the love of Jesus. It's not because of anything you do 
or don't do. It's solely because of God's grace demonstrated to you on the cross. You did nothing to earn it. Your goodness doesn't get you God's love, and your badness doesn't keep his love away from you. Believe Jesus' words from the cross. Turn towards him in faith and repentance, trusting in his finished work on the cross. Wouldn't it be nice to stop resting on your feelings and your experiences, to ignore the lies that come from within us and around us and rest in Jesus' words on the cross when he says, It is finished. A.W. Pink tells a story about a farmer who was trying to communicate the gospel to a carpenter friend of his. The carpenter couldn't accept that Jesus' work was sufficient. He just needed to do something to make God love him. So one day the farmer hired his friend to build him a beautiful wooden gate for his farm. And on that day the carpenter finished it and he presented it to the farmer and the farmer showed up with an axe. He said, I'm just going to make a few small adjustments here. The carpenter was outraged. The gate is fine as it is. I did all that needed to be done. And the farmer took his axe and he destroyed the fence, hacking it to shreds. The carpenter cried out, you ruined my work. And the farmer stopped and he turned to him and he said, you're right. And that is exactly what you are trying to do to Jesus. You are seeking to ruin Jesus' finished work by trying to make your own miserable additions to it. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus doesn't say it is finished on Easter morning? He says it from the cross as he gives up his life for you. Do you believe that it really is finished? That it's here on the cross that Jesus achieves life, forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, hope, and peace, and perfect love for you. Because it is finished on Friday, that's why we call today Good Friday. If you're struggling to believe this, then just wait until Sunday. Join us for our joint online service with Christ the King this Sunday and see if it really is finished. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your plan for us, for sending Jesus to come and to rescue us. We thank you that it really is finished on the cross, that it was finished, that our sin was paid for, that Jesus suffered and died for us to renew us, to make us yours so that we could know life and love and forgiveness and a relationship with you so that we might be in your kingdom as your dearly loved children. Father, help us to believe and to rest in that, to savor the fact that it is finished. Help us to turn to you and to trust in you this Good Friday. It is in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now as we conclude our service, please pray the Lord's Prayer along with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen.